Good morning. Today is Friday, April 3rd, 2020. My name is Keith. I'm the worship pastor at Green Acres Baptist Church in Athens, Georgia. Thank you for joining me today. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could Well, hey, just real quick before we get into it today, just a couple housekeeping notes I need to make. First of all, if you're a part of our, our community at Green Acres Baptist Church, we are heading into Holy Week this week. Sunday is Palm Sunday, so the first day of this very special week in our calendar, and some, uh, some special time that we'll be spending focusing on this last week of Jesus's life. And we've been thinking about it a little bit already uh, for this whole Lent season. We've been talking about a lot of different concepts or ideas, but this last week, Holy Week, we're going to do some special things. Uh, most importantly, um, our church, we're having a, a church-wide prayer, a contemplative you know, prayer and uh, scripture reading time on Friday for Good Friday. And it's just going to be a Zoom call uh, where we'll have some interactive elements, but ultimately it's it's just a time for us to pray and to reflect deeply on the death of Christ. And it's it's an important thing in our lives as Christians and in our life as a church um, to reflect on that time and to think about what it means for us and to pray through it. Um, so in this in this uh, description or in the email, there's a sign up sheet. If you can sign up for that and just household, put an email address on there so we know where to send the Zoom call. There's really not a whole lot you need to do other than just be ready for it Friday at six o'clock. But it's a time for us to come together, to be together virtually the best that we possibly can be and spend some time thinking about the death of Christ. So with all that said, sign up. You see the link there. If you don't have it, text me, call, email, whatever, and I'll send it to you if that works easier. Well, we've been spending this whole week looking at the tests that Jesus went through in his wilderness journey, and we've tried to find parallels in our own wilderness journey to see how the tempter, tempter works to throw us off track. And, you know, as we read and think about these tests, you have to wonder if Satan actually ever understood what Jesus's actual purpose and goal was in the first place. It doesn't seem like he really did. Why did Jesus come to earth in the first place? Well, Jesus's whole journey was a journey to the cross. The whole reason Jesus came to earth was to eventually die and through his death provide a way for us all to take part in Jesus's resurrected life. But all of Satan's tests were to avoid that journey to the cross and to get the same result without the dying part. And we can resonate with that. The cross as a symbol of death is not what anyone would naturally expect to be the path to the blessed or good life. When we first get that promise in Genesis 3.15, that one would come and would crush the serpent's head and thereby create a way back to the garden idea, when we first get that promise, we don't assume that this would come about through Jesus' death. The temptations of Jesus are all exactly the opposite of the way of the cross that Jesus eventually takes. 
And you know, kind of thinking about that wilderness setting, this uh, there's a strange story from Israel's original wilderness journey that John uses in his gospel account to help us understand what all of this means, or Jesus's journey to the cross. As you can imagine, the Israelites were complaining to Moses and God, saying that they would rather go back to Egypt than continue on in the wilderness they were in. They claimed that God had brought them out there to die. So God sent venomous snakes that bit and killed many of the people. God also provided a cure, though, which was a bronze statue of a snake lifted up and put up on a pole. So uh, to be cured, all the people had to do was look up at the snake, the bronze snake, and they would be saved. It's uh, from Numbers chapter 21. You can go read it for yourself if you'd like. It's kind of a strange story right there in the middle. John, though, quoting this story from their past, says in John 3, 14, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. The surprise ending of Jesus' story is that his submission to the Father's will eventually leads to his death on the cross. And it's in this event that the Father's will of bringing salvation is completed in Jesus. And I think this is especially at this time, the end of our Lent season going into Holy Week, this is extremely important for us now more than ever to think about that. That the surprise ending of Jesus' story is that through his submission to the Father's will, he actually died on the cross. And that that is the Father's will of bringing salvation. Most of the stories we read and watch today do not end like that. And most of our stories, the antagonist or the the bad guy is ultimately defeated by the hero's military strength, his outwitting of the enemy or the hero's loyal support of a group of people or a ragtag group who, who help him that just simply overwhelm the enemy. All of our Disney movies, novels, other stories end with this hero defeating the enemy with some sort of might or power or strength. But in the gospel story, the incredible twist is that Jesus, the most powerful, if you will, of all heroes, gains victory over the devil by surrendering and dying on the cross. The real challenge for us then is to identify in our own lives how the devil is testing us to try and take what we think is the good life without going down a path that does not involve dying And that's a hard call. That's a steep call for those who claim Jesus, who those who want to follow his path and his leading to the good life. What decisions and ways of living are you currently engaging in that maybe don't seem evil, quote unquote, but are actually out of a spirit of self-preservation and really a lack of trust in God to provide, maybe overactivity without the Father's leading, or the quick and easy way to success without acknowledging that God's ways are hard ways. Jesus was always on the path of the cross, and he shows us that traveling the way of Jesus is also traveling the way of the cross. And we cannot follow Jesus well without knowing that we are being led to death. Think about it. In our baptism, we proclaim that we have become dead to our old self and now alive with Christ. In communion, we understand that we take part 
in Jesus' sacrifice as his body was given over to death and his blood poured out to bring us back into union with God. Our identification with the cross brings us in to this new community of faith of which we are now a part. And our continued identification with the death of Christ sustains us in that journey of not taking the easy path that ultimately leads to destruction. The cross continues to stay before us as we constantly, as Paul says, die to ourselves daily. Don't let this be just a big theological thing that it can't really be understood. This is talking about the everyday normal decisions that we make all the time. What is it? What does the hard path look like for you and your business decisions as you try to be a good father or mother, as you try to be a good child, just try to be a good friend? What does it mean to not take the easy path in those relationships? One of the greatest tests we go through is thinking that we can avoid the way of the cross. At the very foundation of Satan's tests, we are all tempted to think that we can live the good life, the blessed life and avoid the cross at the same time. But that just can't be done. The devil is tempting us to avoid the cost of discipleship, the hard cost of discipleship, to think that we don't have to die to ourselves to live for Jesus. So I don't know what that means for you. I don't know what it means for you to not take the easy path in your work life or your family life or your life with your friends or whatever. But I invite you to think about that, to think about what it means to walk the path of the cross in all of your relationships and all of your doings. I've got some readers that are going to help me read through a couple different passages to help you reflect on that this morning. Matthew 16, 24. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. Matthew 20, 20 through 28. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want? He asked. She said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your kingdom. You do not know what you are asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father." When the ten heard about this, they were angry with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Colossians chapter 2, 6 through 8 and 13 through 15. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. 
When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us of all of our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. 